us, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Science Podcast. Podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name is Kenneth Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. And everyone, this is a very special episode because we have a very special guest this time uh, to talk about the science of memory uh, and about things that are strong. Here we have the strongest man in the world, Cesar Hernandez. Say hello, Cesar. Oh, hey, hello, Cesar. <laughs> Jesus. It's going to be a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking blazing saddles over here. <laughs> Caesar, like I said, Caesar's the strongest man in the world. He's here to talk primarily... We're going to talk about memory a little bit, but prim- primarily about strength. Um, because uh, he's sitting here chugging a uh, protein shake. We had to make a lot of room go, for go, him. Go, 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 go. No, that's, there you go. There's a little bit of fuller Take it easy, man. We had to make a ton of room for him at the table because uh, his biceps are pushing pace all the way off to the side of the room. I can't move. And Sean into Sean's kitchen. So. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, can I come out now? Yeah, no, Sean. Caesar's biceps are running the podcast now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they don't speak English, though, so <laughs> it's yes, going to be a problem. It's going to just be long periods of silence. <laughs> I'm not that strong. Caesar, if you were to rate the strength of the people at this I mean, you're at the top, but the strength in general of the people at this table, how would you order us? Oh, I don't even know how to answer Come on. That. Don't make him do that. That's so amazing. What are we basing This it is off? his first like time physical strength? Raw physical strength. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Sean's dying over here. Uh, well, okay. What's, what's your what's your PR and bench press? My PR and bench press. Or at least your at least this moment. Sean, what's PR? Not, 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 your, personal re- <laughs> not your personal record or best or anything, but what's what's your current max? Uh, 300 pounds. That's he's Better completely lying. He's it's tired. No, he's completely lying. Don't listen to his I'm, lies. Um, yeah, how much does one of those eighteen wheelers weigh? Like on the world's strongest man thing? Oh, I think like because I, I can like bench four tons. Six tons. You can bench four tons. Six tons. Well, I could bench one of the trucks. I don't know how much it weighs, but I can. Oh, you're talking about the truck itself, not the truck and the box. That's that's very good. Yeah. So I'm trending on the low end here, then. So mm-hmm. I'd say so far I'm in third. How much does a duck weigh? Uh. I can bench. I can bench. Same as a witch. <laughs> from, my, from my time <laughs> on the farm, Python reference here. <laughs> from, from my time on the farm, I can bench two ducks. Fuck. So that's you're pretty good, right? So you're two ducks. <laughs> Oh my god, so count Caesar. Okay, so it sounds like Caesar's at the bottom. There you go. So we'll be having him on next week to talk about uh, duck biology. Bench duck press biology. hacks. Yeah. Bench press hacks. <laughs> bench press hacks. Yeah. This is the Real Science Podcast. We watch a movie. I'm saying it again, just in case you want to cut like the last stuff. I'm just just in case. I don't know. It's yeah, up to maybe. you. You edit. He's going to keep the whole thing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watch a movie. Mm-hmm. We talk about the science. And then we rate it. Pace, do we have any disclaimers? We do have some disclaimers. Let's and that is, we are all very angry. Angry boys. Really? Yes, we're very angry boys. And because of that, we're going to be mean to this movie. Grr. Are we? Well, we're going to try to be in the movie based upon all of our smarts that we have in our brains yeah. uh, and all the memory that we have of the film that we watched. I'm about to slap on my encore buddies because we're going to dunk on this film. Also, we might curse. We will curse. We'll probably curse. I've already said the F word one time. Because it is late in the evening and, you know. We've all had long days at work. Yeah. I have a special disclaimer that I want to give for this episode. Okay. Um, so Do normally, it. 
We're going to talk about the movie, obviously, like we always do. But uh-huh. if you haven't seen this movie, I seriously suggest watching it first because... You should the, tell them what movie we watched. We first. watched Memento, <laughs> which is a good point, Kenan. We watched Memento. <laughs> but the interesting part of this movie is that the entire movie is shot in reverse to some extent. Like the plot is portrayed in reverse chronological order. And we are not going to do that on this show because it's way too confusing so if you haven't seen the movie, I suggest watching it because after you listen, it will kind of ruin the like surprise aspect of the movie. There is so, a major twist that occurs sure. at like eighty percent into the film yeah. that we are going to mention probably like two seconds into the two seconds into the plot summary. Yeah. There's also a disclaimer for this movie too because there is a uh, brief moment of violence that occurs on uh, Guy Pierce's wife. Uh, and there it is implied that she was sexually assaulted too. So if that is something that you want to avoid. Uh, there's a portion of this movie where that occurs. So, Caesar, uh, this is the yes. first time we've had you on the podcast. Uh, we're very excited to have you. Uh, oh, yeah. We've known each other for a bit since our ba- our baby bit. PhD bit, yeah. days. Uh, what um, what do you do at the, at the University of Florida? What do you study? What do you learn about? And what are you going to bring to us today in the show? Well, first, I just want to say I'm honored to be here amongst you guys to talk about this. Oh. And yeah. extremely flattered that you guys thought that I had something to contribute here. That's so you, sweet. So what I do... <laughs> you definitely will, <laughs> yeah. compared to how much Sean and I know it's about the science. It's still flattering. So what I do really is I, I work at, you know, University of Florida. I'm yes. a PhD in neuroscience. And my work focuses more on cognitive aging uh, and specifically the mechanisms of how decision-making and age-related cognitive declines. Hmm. So almost kind of like... As you get older, will you be more or less risky in what you decide to do? Risky, yes, but also impulsive. Ah, okay. Whether or not you become more impulsive with age and how you lose basic cognitive functions through normal healthy aging. Huh. Right. Which can be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Or... That explains why, yeah, like, and f- the last time I went to a retirement home, there was just a guy skateboarding through the mm-hmm. hallways Eating with his burritos. walker, just yelling YOLO, and he, yeah, like, yeah. vaulted off nice. the walls, too. Because he's... So, that know. sounds a little bit demented. Yeah, I mean, that's... I don't know. And it, I guess for the, for the audience, it'd be aging without pathology. Okay. So, now without Alzheimer's, there were no Parkinson's, no frontal temporal uh, no dementia. No dementia, like you just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. This, is, ha- this is something that happens to every single human that, you know, survives and doesn't get tragically killed before reaching senior so an old, status. <laughs> so an old with a regular brain. Is what yeah, saying. yeah. So TLDR, you study what about getting older causes us to do more rad things. Rad. 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 Let's talk about the movie. Okay. So what is this movie about? I'll give a shotgun. You want me to yeah. start? I mean, I can start. I guess I do always start with the plot. Yeah, let's... Uh, you know what? I don't want to break tradition. Let's do it. Okay. So, we watched Memento. And again, like I said in the disclaimer, we're going to... This movie is shot in reverse chronological order, or told in reverse chronological order, and we are not going to do that for the show. So, it stars <laughs> Guy Pierce, uh, Carrie Ann Moss, and Joe, Joey Pants. Joey, <laughs> Joe Pantoliano. And that's basically all the, like, main characters, right? The three mm-hmm. main characters in the uh, movie. So, if, in case you're wondering, Joey Pants and Carrie Ann Moss are both in The Matrix. If you're not familiar with their real-life names, yeah. just call them Trinity and Cypher. Trinity and Cypher. <laughs> yeah, we made the joke that uh, after Cypher successfully killed the one, yeah. uh, Agent Smith sent him, back in, uh, sent him back into The Matrix, and Cypher specifically requested to 
convince Guy Pierce to murder people for a living. Yep, exactly. This is all happening in the Matrix. Are you guys getting distracted again? No, we're not. Okay. Sorry, continue. I'm just double checking. Okay, so the main character, played by Guy Pierce, his name is Leonard. People call him Lenny. And he hates it. And he hates it, but we're going to call him Lenny because he kind of likes to push people's buttons, even if they're fictional. Beep. (laughs) All right. That's true. So, when the movie opens, it actually opens with, like, a murder scene and then fills in the background of how they got there. What it's done, like, the movie itself takes scenes of black and white that serve to inform the viewer of his condition and a little bit of his background, right, and set up a little bit of suspense uh, in order to have us finalize with a murder. But what we've done is we've taken the plot and we've put it in correct chronological order. So we're going to start with the scenes of black and white, which are all quote-unquote flashbacks in the movie, which are actually part of the actual chronological order of the movie. So that everything that occurs is just a direct plot of the film. So if you listen to us and then watch the movie, it's going to be completely different, but we figure this makes it easier to listen to. Yeah. Right. Quick summary of what the movie is and the reason they tell it in reverse chronological chronological order. <laughs> Sorry. Chronological order. The main character, Lenny, has some type of amnesia, which we will talk about with Pace and Caesar, our resident neurologists. Psychiatrists. Who are psychiatrists, neurologists, the same thing. Wow. I'm a neuroscientist. So, so basically there was... A, We're fucking neuroscientists, Sean. So, I, I don't... It's the same thing. There was a tragic... It's not the same thing. There was a tragic event that occurred in Lenny's life. Yep. Um, and he had an injury that caused him to have amnesia. And basically after this event, he stops forming new memories. Um, and he has like only, I guess, bits of time where he is like aware of what is going right. on. And then he'll forget it. And then have another segment of time where right. um, he's aware of things going on. So the whole thing is him trying to solve his wife's murder. But he has this severe uh, memory problem. And that is why the movie is depicted in reverse order. Because it's going backwards through all of his different snippets of like well and i yeah i think so that i think part of the reason they do that is to to a certain extent present the film from the perspective of lenny himself it's already a disjointed thing yes yes they make it disjointed on purpose to give you just that kind of uh that kind of feeling of being kind of lost in your in your own plot absolutely and it works well the same way yeah it does work well yeah. yeah So, yeah. So, we actually start out with Lenny sitting in a hotel room. Uh, he's the most lucid we see him throughout the entire film. Uh, and he's on the phone explaining his condition to some mystery person. who We don't know who this is yet. Uh, he explains he has short-term memory loss, like Sean mentioned, due to an accident. Uh, long story short, he wakes up in the middle of the night, uh, finds his wife being assaulted, uh, murders one of the attackers, uh, and is then shoved into a mirror headfirst by the second one. He then passes out on the floor, and as, as we're led to believe that his wife dies, and then at this point, he is no longer able to form memories like Sean mentioned, so he's running around looking for her, uh, her murderer. Uh, so we now know that our character has amnesia. Right. So why aren't the cops looking for the murderer? So in the movie, we aren't sure yet. It gets revealed later as to what happens. Um, but I did want to ask you guys, because I don't know, and I, I don't know how to describe it, but what exactly is memory? How would you define memory for our listeners? At the most surface level into how you can observe in everyday life what memory is. I'd say uh, in a human being, it's your personality, it's your, your talents, all the skills you have, uh, your habits and your history, and even things like your like musical tastes and preferences for food, mm-hmm. because you are who you are because of what you learn and what you remember and uh that's if you were to observe someone those are all based upon their own memory but i think even deeper upon that 
if we want to get into a more scientific definition of memory, in regards to uh, declarative memory, which one might recall as a, as a type of memory, uh, you might be recalling a name. Of course. A name, yeah. or I was about to explain it. <laughs> yeah, no. You might be re- remembering like a name, a date, even what someone's face looks like. Stuff like that is a type of memory called declarative memory. And then there's also other types of memory called uh, procedural memory, which is more like muscle movements. The non-declarative. Uh, the non-declarative, the kind of implicit or things you don't realize you're remembering how to do. Stuff like birthdays or words. Yes, exactly. Which is, which is why every time someone's like, when's your birthday, you say, I do declare yeah. January 31st, because it's declarative memory. Do you say that yeah. every time? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> fucking exhausting. Is that why no one was at your last birthday? That's why no party? one wants to talk to me ever. <laughs> no. Only people in the South have memory, according to this. Yes. <laughs> That's correct, actually. No one in the North can remember anything. Yeah. Or anywhere else in the world. <laughs> Just people in the Southern portion of the United States. Yes. The United States. I yes. think if I had to distill that, I would say memory is... The retention of learned information. And okay. Yeah. Step back from that. Yeah. Yeah. At that's a good, very basic it, way yeah. to put it. Do you think? So I, I'm I'm trying to think of the way to ask this question because I don't know if I have the tool, the uh, word toolkit. It's fine. Just so. just say what you, um, say what you got. But what would you say would be the difference between something like um, I, I remember what my birthday is, or I remember what X is, and behavior associated with like. I like the taste of something or like I prefer something or the other. Is that, how does that tie into memory? Uh, in the sense that I kind of think of like remembering a birthday as remembering a factoid. Yeah. But then I remember like the fact that garlic rules is yeah. like remembering a personal fact, like a thing for like me. Right. It's an association. Type yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, so how do you differentiate? If I were to describe? give a stab at that and Caesar can, give his own opinion and also enlighten me if I'm wrong. I would say a lot of your preferences are also tied to emotions that you might have had in the past that are associated with that. I mean, I would say given there are some like intrinsical things about you that might lead to your preference for rock music or... Uh, you know, a particular type of food. That's just an example, Ken. No, uh, I was laughing because the way you said rock music, you said it like a dad. <laughs> <laughs> you kids and your rock music. Rock music. Your preferences for R&B or hip-hop. Rapid beats. <laughs> Rapid beats. <laughs> the Beatles were so ahead of their time. Um, I would say that those, in, in regards to memory, association is, an, is a, a good word to use there because uh, those are more implicit memories. Right. Uh, and And, for example, you might have had uh, it's still a form of memory, but you might have experienced, you know, a uh, particular, like, like your favorite song. Something else might have been going on you all, while you were doing that. And you might not realize that you're associating that song with a happy memory, but that's the reason that preference exists. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, differentiating what your preferences uh, come about, you know, I can boil it down to likes and dislikes. And based on those likes and dislikes, or the foundation of those likes and dislikes, probably have to do with a particular a positive emotion that you experienced while you encoded that memory for right. your likes and or for the dislikes a particular adverse aversive type of right, right. response or emotional response that you had right. so you start developing those preferences if you want to like, build upon that association yeah right. so you yeah. mentioned the Beatles earlier so like I don't like the Beatles now because I was forced to listen to the Beatles uh, every day commuting sure. to high school for basically three years yeah. That's a very bad memory for me. Right. So I don't want to listen to the Beatles. Whenever you listen to the Beatles now... So, so it's like they're a good band, but Kenan just doesn't like I them. just don't 
like the Beatles right anymore. You're gonna get so much laughs back on Twitter. For Someone this. ruined the Beatles for me. That yeah, and it's because yeah, it's a yeah. crime. It yeah, a crime. I mean, just like in the same way that like I don't know. Uh, mustard or cats or religion might be worried, might be ruined for somebody. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have to go get into that. We don't have to, but it could get ruined for someone based upon you know a previous negative experience that they actually are now aversive to. Well, I understand um, that one too, but I don't think anybody here doesn't like mustard. <laughs> I love mustard. Dude, I love mustard so much. I, can li- I like mustard. Yeah, more specifically Dijon. Dijon. Oh, wow. uh, Caesar Hernandez is French, by the way. Everyone. So he speaks pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Caesar Miguel Hernandez is French. Yes. Can you say Dijon it's actually a French bit? for Dijon? <laughs> yes, I just, would like just to go back to what you were saying. I think the, those are both episodic, and and, and they can be yeah. categorized yes. as such. Yes, and then you remember this episode, and sort of to define episodic versus something that you learn through repetition, right? Which is not episodic; it's more procedural. And how does that play into, yeah, I only mentioned this because you were talking about contextual memory and experiences and things like that. Is that the same sort of thing as like the kind of associations you make between a smell and a taste and specific memories that occur during those things? Because, you know, you always hear like, you know, smell is very, very closely linked to memory. It's the same idea. Well, play between those two things. Well, there are behavioral reinforcements that can be enhanced by like, prior experience sure but there are also like innate responses that are like reflexive to specific stimuli right like if you taste something bitter it evokes a behavioral response even in like a naive animal meaning that they've never tasted anything bitter before right so like if you give them a compound that tastes bitter they will start rejecting the water that you put in their mouth and try and spit it out and stuff and like have that is a behavioral response that is just intrinsic to, like, the programming of the animal. So in specific s- cases of stimuli, you can have a reflexive response to something. But you can also, in the case of memory, have a learned response to something because yeah. of contextual things that were occurring. Right. Like, you can get enhanced responses because, like, of a reinforcement of a right. behavior by memory. Or you can also get, like, associations. You can even get, like, sort of artificial associations and like experimental setups right where you could like have an animal associate something that tastes good with a bad with an aversive experience even though it would intrinsically not be aversive because it's been coupled with some sort of other aversive signifier so i think that you're going now into this non-declarative memory yeah uh when it comes to association right and and for what you're saying habituation versus sensitization Mm -hmm. i'm also pretty sure and again, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but I, I think that the, the human olfactory bulb, there are like connections between, which is, of course, is important for, for smelling, the, the uh, olfactory bulb. Uh, connections go to the human amygdala. Of course. And the amygdala is the human brain center that regulates a lot of your emotions. Okay. Uh, and therefore, there are actual literal physical connections, physical connections yes. between those two brain regions that regulate smell and emotion. Sweet. Same with so. taste, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Sean, resident taster. Yeah, I'm a tasteologist. Tasteologist, tasteologist. there you <laughs> go. Exactly. Two okay. psychiatrists, a tasteologist, and the strongest man in the world. So, in the film, right. uh, we figure out that Lenny has enterograde amnesia, right? Right. Uh, Can you say that word again? Enterograde okay. amnesia. Okay. Forward. Ah. Forward amnesia. Which makes sense. Exactly. And that makes sense because we learned that Lenny has basically 
no ability to create new memories after the tragic event that happened uh, during the murder of his wife. So this is the opposite of retrograde. This is this is the opposite of retrograde in Reverse, first, first. Where <laughs> backwards, 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 where you can't chow, remember, chow, where you can't remember. <laughs> Take it back now, y'all. Well, can't you remember, Pace? Can't take it back now, y'all. There's no more beer, no more beer my beer in class to, to help my condition. Um, retrograde amnesia right. is where you lose all of your previous memories but are still able to form new ones. Got it. Um, I would say you lose the ability to recall those previous... Sure, you lose the ability to recall them. Sorry, I I'm think, a scientist. No, it's okay. I'm being very specific. No, I'm put thinking, Pace in his place. He's just a neurosurgeon after place. all. Like, he doesn't actually... Did, is neurosurgeon one we've used before? He's just brain... No, it isn't. Brainologist. <laughs> yeah. If you have That's both... Good. Yeah. Like if, you, if you have both retrograde <laughs> and enterograde amnesia, you're... You remember uh, nothing. You call... You have basically just global amnesia. Is that like a um, real thing that occurs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you have to have pretty extensive brain damage for that to happen. Can, but yeah. Can people like function in like a... Well, I mean, you're alive. In like an assisted living? Assisted yep. living, yeah. Heavily assisted living. Okay. Because yeah. I feel like I would just be asking I, like who I was over and over constantly. I think they have a good example of that in another movie known as Fifty First Dates. Oh, yes. They do actually, yes. Yeah. He has, wait, yes. She has global amnesia? No, no, no! In the in the movie, they visit a center that. Oh, where, okay, okay, I got you. There are people with. I think she also has interrogate amnesia, though, in that film. She I'm got pretty you. sure. She, she can't, can't form memories. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there is actually a good real life example of uh, oh. a patient who beautiful. a patient who had um, interrogate amnesia, and so this is a guy. They call him Patient HM, but we can now say his full name because Henry. Because he's dead. Uh, Henry, oh, so after you're dead, they just don't give us shit? I suppose. Just, okay. I mean, no, 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 you don't have a real name until after you die. Your right. Death certificate has your name. Okay, cool. Not yeah, that's not, that's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. Well, you know, it's a crazy world we live in, Sean. No, it's yeah. not the craziest thing I've ever heard. Pace sent help. It's not the craziest thing I've ever heard, Pace. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've ever heard? No, nothing. That means something much crazier than that. Wet balloons! I, I suppose. Uh, I would say the Mechanic craziest is thing. No way! So... Patient HM or Henry Malayason. I was close. Or Hippocampal Man. Hippocampal Man is even better. We're going to call him Hippocampal Man from I think now that's on. Better. That sounds like a B horror movie. We're also protecting his patient privacy. Hippo. Well, he's dead. Campbell Man. So. <laughs> oh! oh! <laughs> Nerd joke. <laughs> so, Patient HM or Hippocampal Man. Yes. Suffered from epileptic seizures. Uh, and so basically his brain was in like a hyperactive state where his neurons were just like firing like crazy more than they should be. But this is very difficult to live with. So I think this was like back in the 1930s, 40s. It was, it was a while ago. Timeline, I remember. Um, I just know that this, this, actually, I think it was in the 1970s. Yeah, it might be in the 1950s. Anyway, it's about around the mid 1900s. So basically in order to solve this problem, uh, he saw, a neurosurgeon who uh, noticed that the seizures were kind of starting in a region of his brain right. called the medial temporal lobe. This is around where your ears are yep. and into there. Hmm? Yes. So, Kenan. Right. You have your brain. Right. And then you have your ears, which are people know where their temples outside are. Outside right? of your skull. Yeah. Like on the side of your head. Yeah. Your it's a, yeah. Side. It's a, it's close to where your temples are, a little further in. A little more medial. Exactly. A little more, a little more lobial. Lobial. Yeah. Lobial, lobial. So what happened is Dr. Lobial came in and yes. he said, okay, this is where the seizures are. I'm just going to cut out this area of the brain. Uh-oh. It seemed to be a really, like, 
way too common thing that people do. When, yeah, when was this done? Again, this is like the mid nineteen, like mid nineteen fifties. Oh, okay. So, so when people like were doing lobotomies. prime lobotomy time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this was actually was about the time that lobotomies were pretty popular. We've I talked see. about lobotomies in the past. In the so show. we were just sort of getting in there. Lobotomy. Just, they just were just like, loads. you don't need all this brain. You got yeah, all let's this just brain like, and you don't need it. This is the bad part. Let's just... Let's just cut it out. Right, it's like it's like draining someone of their humors, except your brain. Oh, By God. the way, I just want to point out that Please. we use a hundred percent of our brain. Just saying. we do do that. Well, except for the parts that you don't need, though. Well, except for the parts, <laughs> right? Except for the parts that make you psychic. What happened to patient HM to Hippocampal Man? Hank McCoy is that Hank McCoy? East from our uh, uh, he had part of his mediotemporal lobe removed. Okay, right, and this happened to be part of his. Hippocampus. Right. They cut out this area of his brain, and he had a really hard time remembering things. Yeah, no kidding. After this, uh, <laughs> after his surgery. Right. Um, and so, basically, he was no longer able to form new memories. Right. Uh, which is something that is very similar as to what Lenny is experiencing in the film. Yeah. Um, so, what kind of what kind of tests did they use? You know, to are you going to say exactly what I think you're going to say? Did his seizure stop at least? <laughs> Damn, that's not good. Because, because I need to know that at least his seizure stopped. As far as I know, yes, his seizures did reduce in Okay, severity. okay. So they didn't just, like, remove his memories and were like, oh, weird, didn't do anything. I guess uh, that's No, good. I mean, turns out if you have a, a, region, a region of your brain that's producing seizures, if you cut it out, somehow the seizures get better. Okay, Not well. producing seizures. Yeah, let's seizure. Not the whole brain of the producing seizures. <laughs> you know, the fusiform gyrus that will right. really light up when you see my face. A seizure, a seizure will never but stop. But a seizure. A seizure, yes. So, yes, um, absolutely. Sorry, yeah. What were you? You were about to ask Caesar something, Pace, but I just had. Well, to no, know. I was going to say we should we should talk about. Uh, they figured this out through a few tests that they did right. with the hippocampal man. Uh, what were some of those tests? Well, something interesting that they found is that obviously he couldn't form new episodic memories, or and, by, and again by episodic you mean the declarative memory, that conscious memory of being able to encode and consolidate an event that happened in your life. Things that happened recently or a long time ago? Well, in his case, things that are happening recently cannot right. be consolidated. Right. Okay. And, but things that happened before the surgery are still, he can recall them or retrieve them. So, right. So our episodic uh, memories are things that, things that you would regard as episodic. Are these things that are repeating or are they something that occur once and you're not able to form that memory well they can occur multiple times um but that's separate from procedural where that's where you would be repeating the repetitive motions with like a physical task motor memory like if you had for some reason hadn't learned to tie your shoes at like up to this point once upon having brain damage or someone just getting all up in there and cutting pieces out sure uh you try and learn to tie your shoes that's part of procedural memory Yes. yes whereas like remembering your next birthday as part of episode. Let me, let me get a, a good example of uh, what I think is both declarative and episodic memory in, in the case of patient HM. So they would give like a, a list of like eight words. Right. Um, this could be simple things like dog, cat, boat, you know, simple one syllable words. Uh, and then they would wait five minutes uh, and then they would have, and then they would show a new list of words, some of which were part of the previous list. Some of which were not. And they okay. would ask patient HM, okay, identify the ones that you saw previously. Patient HM couldn't remember that he was shown a list of words. Right? Ah, okay. So yeah. that's that, like, that episode. It's everything. It's, yeah. It's all. It, yeah. I mean, 
that kind of showed the detrimental effect that it had on his declarative memory. The same thing would have happened if you were to like say, you know, what did you have? What did you have for breakfast today? You know, or right, where did yeah. you? Where did you go? I can't even remember that. Well, you know. <laughs> Oatmeal and eggs. Nice. We all but it's have... not because you have anterograde great amnesia. Right. To be, because I have ADHD. Yes. Um, so, but the interesting <laughs> thing, this is the, probably the most useful thing that happened with patient, patient HM. Okay. Uh, he was also shown a task um, where you had to practice um, uh, tracing a certain shape and staying in between two lines without going outside of the lines. And you had to do it in front of a mirror. So you couldn't actually see your hand doing it and the oh. and the orientation was switched. So sounds awful. I can't do that. So well that's the thing. They they do they don't just do it with people with amnesia. This is a, a normal a normal like task that people will uh, that that people will do to it to, to test someone's procedural memory. Okay. Um and so patient HM would do this task every day. And so as he would go day after day after day doing this task he wouldn't remember that he had done the task of tracing the shape, okay. but he would get better and better and better at it ah, and make less right. errors. Ooh. Okay. So. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. It basically means that his procedural memory or his like, in other words, like uh, muscle motor uh, memory was was still intact. So he could have gotten better at tying his shoes. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that gives it a good example of how we learned what the hippocampus is for. Uh, and, and someone what it's not for, and what it's not for, and someone with anterograde right. amnesia has hippocampal damage. Oh, are you opening? <laughs> are you opening a beer? Oh God, Pace and I are getting drunk. Wow. <laughs> so this basically just shows that there's a scientific basis for what we have observed in this film with Lenny. And I think that it's important, especially for this movie, and, and to understand anterograde amnesia, the, the, how memory works right so there's a process of encoding and then consolidation and retrieval and i just want to break those down really quick and yeah good idea. when i when i refer to it as encoding this is known as a process where information is attended to and linked to existing information or or other other memories sort of right? like we mentioned how you know like if you taste something or experience so something in a good context yes that's that association it'll start to encode consolidation really is the process by which it's stored and the, the, there's computational models that explain this beautifully, but we won't get into that at this moment. Sure. And then finally, there's retrieval. <laughs> so going into that memory and then sort of, you know, bringing it back, calling, right? Yeah. And I think that it's important to understand that <clears throat> Lenny cannot consolidate. So, uh, okay. and HM could not consolidate yeah. uh, those episodic memories. Yeah. But they can consolidate procedure, procedural memories. So they can learn over time. It's not a learning issue, and they can consolidate those things, but not episodes. Got you. So they, so each of them would be able to do something simple like learn how to tie their shoes yes. or get better at tracing, yeah. like the tracing exercise. Whatever right. brain structure would be involved in that type of was not more consolidation was not. I was well. I was going to say is what I just thought about is in the scene where uh, Lenny smashes his head, his temple slams into the mirror. Right? Yes. Yeah. Which is why I was going to say that his injury actually makes a lot of sense with the type of memory issues that he has. Because based on what you've just described for HM. So yes. That's a pretty accurate, like, little science nug that they threw in the movie. Yeah, I mean... I wonder if that was on purpose. It also that. could have... But then again, if someone slams your head into a mirror, chances are the side of your head's going to hit it. 
Yeah. Okay, but, so, okay, but he was bleeding afterward. Yeah, it yeah. was a pretty traumatic injury. Yeah, yeah. But that's, I think, what I wanted to add, and we really need to understand that this is a consolidation issue. Gotcha. Okay. And we can, if you're versus interested, retrieval, which is versus the retrieval. Yes, Re- recalling that information that's been consolidated. Right. And so the hippocampus is really important structure for this consolidation of episodic memories. Right. And he actually has a mechanism that he uses in the film in order to try and help remind him of things. So that's interesting because he has a system. Right. He tattoos like Sammy Jenkins could not come up with or had the will right. to. He tattoos these like reminders on his yeah. body. Yeah. So with all of these tattoos on his body, he's trying to sort of trigger something in his head in order to like keep him on this quest. He's trying to I guess remember is the wrong word, but he's trying to like make associations by these tattoos and say like, oh, this must be something that I figured out previously. Right? Uh so what he's doing while he's sitting in this hotel room is actually shaving one of his legs Right, in order to put another tattoo on himself to make a stick poke tattoo. Uh, the person that he's talking to, he starts explaining Sammy, Sammy Jenkins, um, right. who was this guy who he says had a, uh, a memory issue similar to his uh, back when he worked as an insurance claims investigator. He being Lenny. Lenny he worked as the, ins- as the insurance claims investigator. Right. Correct. Sammy had some sort of issue where he lost his memory. Um, and basically, it was Lenny's job to figure out whether or not Sammy was able to form new memories, whether or not he was lying. Right? Yeah, I was trying to see if he was faking it. In order to get insurance money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what they did is they take they took Sammy through this process that was guided by uh, the guy from Reno 911, his name I can't remember <laughs> I right remember now. His name either. That blew me away that he was sitting there. But he, uh, basically they had him pick up a couple of different shapes, these metal shapes sitting in front of him on a table. It seemed like they did it in the same order each time, but I couldn't quite tell. Uh, and they electrified one of them. They electrified this metal triangle. Right. Uh, and he would pick up the metal triangle each time, get a shock, uh, call the guy a quack, and flick him off and say, test right. this. Right. Uh, and he wasn't able to remember that the triangle was electrified. So I wanted to ask, right, because it seems like it might be episodic memory, but the movie sort of suggests that it could be procedural because he's doing the same thing over and over again, it maybe is, the same way each time. It is implied that it can be procedural. Right. However, I feel like the details to the examination weren't really prominent in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, if, if every day they took him through a point A to point B to C, and they had him pick out of five objects, the third one's always ele- uh, electrified, yeah. and he gets shocked, that would register as a procedure. But he never learned it. So are you saying... Sorry, real quick. I was going to ask. Are you saying that, like, if they had said, pick up the square, pick up the circle, pick up the triangle, Mm -hmm, right? In that order. In that order each time. Yeah. That's more procedural than what they might have done in the movie, which was pick up some objects. Uh, And then he might have had an easier time remembering those things. Because it's just random if not. Yeah. And if you think about it, when you learn a bike, it's all random motions, but eventually it's this orchestrated event. Yeah. And you have brain structures that reinforce that. I, di- I disagree with the, with that premise. I don't think it'd be procedural. I don't think he'd ever be able to learn that. You don't think so? No, because I think that it's something that he has to... It it, it keeps on reminding me of the word recall task. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's procedural. Oh, okay. So you were saying... Yeah. Okay. I, that, thought you were I don't saying know if that, that, that was clear. Yeah, so I don't think... If I wasn't sure. Yeah. Right. I don't think it's procedural. Yeah. Because, like I said... Even if they have yeah. him do the same thing each time... If, at each fresh time, it's random. If they did had have him do it 
from point A to point B through, then sure, maybe, but I'm not so sure they did that. Yeah. You guys look like you're deep in thought about this. Yeah, you are. I, I like this. I like this, these hot yeah. takes. What's the word recognition test? Yeah, what's the re- word recall word test? Recall test. That's one where it was like list eight words and then recall. Because if you're just telling someone to do something in a certain order, that's still, that's still your, I think that's still declarative memory. It's still re- recalling, okay, which order do we need to put it in this, this, and this, and this. That's not, that's not procedural. They're not asking them to remember the order. Though. No, I know. I'm saying that's the example that you gave. Yeah, I, yeah, so yeah. I disagree yeah. with that one. Yeah. Um, but if, in the example that happened in the movie, yeah. I don't, they, I don't know how they prompt him to touch the shapes. Right, right, right. right. So I think, I think that matters. Yes. But, I still don't think that he'd be able to learn this task yeah. at all. Well, in the um, movie, don't they they use him his inability to learn this task as like the justification for the fact that he yeah. should be able to learn it, and he's not, so he's faking his memory condition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. sort of what they what they're saying. So like, they're arguing that it is procedural, procedural thing, and that he that should, should be able to pick it up. Pick it up which, yeah. and you guys are saying you're We're not sure. That we're saying it's. I, not, I don't think it's procedural. I don't think it is either. No. Yeah. Okay. So you're debunking the science in the film, which yeah, is yeah. weird because that's what that's what we do. On that's podcast. what we do. That's so strange <laughs> that, that just happened here. So, Again, but the details are, are sort of they're lost. Fine. sort of yeah. Yeah. We, Give is, me give me the protocol for that yeah, test exactly. And I can read that and tell you whether or not it's procedural. But based yeah. on what they show in the film, it's not procedural, yeah. and this is not grounds for. Uh, it's not a sound experiment. No, well, well it we, could be a sound experiment, but we don't know because we don't know exactly what all they did. But based on what we see, it's not. And it wouldn't have been good evidence to not give Sammy Jenkins money. Right. I thought it was tactile. It wasn't a sound experiment. We can always email Christopher <laughs> Nolan and ask him what the <laughs> what the protocol was. Don't worry. That pause was for the listeners to laugh. Oh, yeah, I yeah, just didn't want to laugh over the listeners. Right, that was a really good, good joke, Ken. Joke. Yeah, it was yeah. just yeah. so good that like... You, know. you were taken aback by how good it is. Yeah, it was just so good. So he mentions in the movie that uh, this this should have been... Well, you guys already said that like... They're making an argument that it should be procedural memory, right. and that he should be able to make procedural memories, and that was the reason why uh, Lenny Guy Pierce rejected his insurance claim because they said right. he was faking. Right? right, right. Later on, like the wife comes to him and she says, "Is, is he actually faking? Please." He never said he's he was me. faking. <coughs> That's true. He makes a point of that. He's like, he makes a point of that all the time. Should be able should be able yeah, to, to form to these form memories. memories. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they mentioned that. This process of what they're doing is, is conditioning. We don't have to talk about this too in depth. Can you guys just mention for us real quick what conditioning is and how that plays into memory? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is now under the implicit type of memory. Implicit is also procedural, but associative learning is can be basically the, the, the non-associative or associative, where associative is that classical Pavlovian bell Food, bell food, yeah, yeah, yeah. bell no food, but you still see the sound. What, what was that experiment that, uh, that Dr. Pavlov did in 1921? Yeah, so Pavlov would ring a bell. Isaac Pavlov. And Pavlov. <laughs> that's a bad joke. We can cut it out. It was, his joke. name was Jenkins Pavlov. Yeah. That was also bad. Sammy Jenkins Jeff Pavlov uh, was his full name. Right. And he would ring a bell and then present food to dogs. And he would ring a bell, present food to dogs. And then he noticed that... Just by ringing the bell without the food presentation, he would salivate. And that's, that's Pavlov. Wait, he would salivate the, or the dogs would salivate? They would all <laughs> salivate <laughs> together. He, all he salivate. Too, that's so. a hungry dog. <laughs> <laughs> he was just happy that his funding was coming through. The dogs did this dumb experiment. <laughs> the dogs would salivate. Yeah. Um, yes. And that's that, that's the classic Pavlovian response. Yeah. And this is yes. an explicit memory, not episodic or anything like that. 
Okay. okay. You're not actively recalling, like, oh, I need to start salivating right now. So that's it when we just think of, happens. When yeah. we think of conditioning, that's, like, the classical. Another, yes, that's an, classical conditioning. Another good example, which, like, a human might be able to relate to, is, like, if you move to a new house yeah. and the house is by the airport... Initially, you're going to constantly notice the sound of the planes going by. Yeah. And as that gets repeated over and over and over again, you become conditioned yep. to that stimulus and you don't notice it. But that's not a Like how we memory. live on uh, one of the main roads in Gainesville, yeah, yeah. Florida, and, the and hear sirens all the, all the time. time. <laughs> or sort of how, like, Sean's upstairs neighbor, their kid, is practicing to be a bowling pro. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we hear noises that are completely unexplainable coming from the Well, yeah, I mean, the, they get strikes every time, so it's... Right. A, it's I'm pretty sure that he's trying to be a professional Dance Dance Revolution player, <laughs> and Dance also a professional bowler, and also maybe, like... A he's a construction a construction worker, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he's also, like, <laughs> building a chair upstairs or something. I don't know. But he's three, I think, and he's a... Uh, he's he's an accomplished yeah, kid. He's yeah. an accomplished kid, but he's very noisy. That's oh, oh. oh, there he is. Yeah, oh, there he is, yeah. I hope so, the mic picked that up. Man, I, I hope they're like, man, our neighbors are so loud. <laughs> they're, always, they're always fucking yelling <laughs> on Wednesday night. <laughs> Uh, um, so while Lenny's on the phone, he talks about this whole thing, right? And and it's another one of these, like, you know, I don't know, evidence dungeon type thing, or like explaining the plot for, for, for the, for the purposes of the viewer. Um, he hangs up, uh, and he pre- prepares to tattoo his thigh with a fact. And this is where we get like this initial jump into how Lenny keeps track of shit, right? So he has a fact that tells him that John G, the guy who he knows murdered his wife because he has a tattooed across his chest. Right. And he's picked up enough facts in order to remember this. He wants to tattoo this thing that John G has access to drugs. Um, someone calls him and the other person mentions something about this drug information. Lenny pulls up in a police file that he has in front of him and convinces himself based on that and what he's hearing that John G's a drug dealer. So he prepares to tattoo drug dealer on his thigh uh, when he sees a tattoo on his arm that says never answer the phone. He says, who is this? And the person on the other side hangs up. So it's at this point that we're going to kind of try and blast through a large portion of the movie in order to explain some, like, character relationships. Yeah. But otherwise, we've covered, like, most of the memory stuff for the plot other than a little tidbit. Right. Like, the reason we're doing this for the show is to talk about the ideas of memory and how it's portrayed in the movie. But, like, the actual plot of the movie... The best part about it is watching the movie in reverse chronological Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're going to blow through some of the plot. Um, I Nolan. Do, I, did, I did also want to say like, <laughs> for the audience, the way the reason they bring up Sammy Jenkins uh, is that apparently he says this to everybody. Like anybody that he'll talk to, he tells them about Sammy Jenkins. Well, hold on real quick. It's, it's Sammy Jenkins. Yeah. Old Man Jenkins is the guy who was in uh, the Andromeda strain. Sorry. Who was friends with uh, Sweet Baby Friends. Oh, my God. Okay, you're right. True. Sorry, Jane Gibbs. Two different characters. Two, yeah. two different movies, two different characters, yeah. two different actors, two different time periods. Yep. Okay, yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure the, the viewer... But that, that's how they justify it in the movie, is that he, like, talks about this to anybody who will listen, because every time he interacts with somebody, he goes, oh, I have a short-term memory problem, just like Sammy Jenkins. Just like Sammy, Sammy Jenkins. Well, yeah. I'll tell you about Sammy Jenkins, and then he forgets what was happening. So. Yeah. Okay, Kenan. Yeah, dude. All right, I'm ready. Do you want to dive into this? Knuckle I normally crack, do the plot, but crack. I don't. I don't want to do it. You it's do cool, it. dude. None of us remember what the movie is about. So and this is one oh. of the episodes where we didn't watch the movie right before recording because my car died. So, <laughs> yeah, so Sean's car could. broke down, so we could not fit recording yeah. into the same night. But so, so now we're gonna have to recall this all from memory. So buckle ah. the fuck up. Basically, we'll get to my eyebrows. Right. <laughs> yeah, I saw you. Yeah, Sean bounces eyebrows. Uh, so <clears throat> at this point in the movie. 
Lenny has started to get pretty suspicious about what's going on, right? Because he's talking to some mystery person. He doesn't remember who it is. So he calls uh, Mark Boone Jr. Uh, at the front desk, who plays a character named Bert, who you guys will remember was uh, what was the name of the guy in Dark Knight. What? I don't like Falafel? That dude? Wait, Wait Bert? What? Yeah, he's uh, the same guy. Bullock. Bert from like... I don't think it was Bullock. Sergeant I don't Bullock? Think was, no. I don't think it was Sergeant Bullock. I think it was another guy. The guy, Bert, at the front desk of the discount inn where Lenny is staying is the same actor as the guy who plays... Uh, Some detective on Dark Knight. A detective Knight. in yeah. Dark Knight. Wow. It's the exact same person. What a po- Why do people even use IMDb when they can use CanonDB? CanonDB. <laughs> Canon's database. KMDB, the Canon Movie Database. Hey, welcome to KMDB. A podcast about three scientists I was watch a movie. Radio, but... He says, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Bert. Can you hold my calls? He says, don't send any calls through. I don't want to talk to anybody. Right? Uh, Caesar, can you please turn off the watch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's only funny because Kenan's phone does it every single time we're recording. Died. I was like, I'm gonna remember. I'm yeah. gonna forget. So Bert comes up. He says, "Okay, I'll hold your calls." He comes up directly to the door and he says, "Lenny, this cop keeps calling. It's a police officer, so I have to tell you, it's the law, I guess." And Lenny still says, "I don't want to take the call." And Bert goes, "Okay, fine." He leaves. A mystery person, we assume it's a cop, passes a note under the door. Uh, it has a picture of Lenny pointing to his own chest and covered in blood. Yeah, you right, remember that now? Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in the context of the movie, this makes a little bit more sense, right? Oh, it says, it says, up. take my calls. Huh? Yeah. Says, yeah. And on the note, it says, take my calls, right? So, he finally takes the call. He explains his condition again to this cop. The cop says, oh, I'm here to help, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he tells him about Sammy and Sammy's wife. We learn at this point that Sammy Jenkins' wife uh, was so desperate to figure out whether or not he actually has amnesia because Lenny wouldn't give her a straight answer about whether or not he did, right? Whether right. he believed he was faking. She goes home and she asks him to inject her with insulin multiple times because he forgets each time in between right. until she eventually dies, right? Yeah. So this is the, the story we've been given about Sam- Sammy Jenkins, right? Uh, the cop fills him in and says, I'm going to help you find John G, murdered your wife. I've been helping you out. I know about your memory thing. Meet me downstairs at the discount inn. Okay. Uh, he tells us, tells us his name is Officer Gamble. He goes downstairs, uh, meets with the cop and takes a picture of him so that he can remember him. Uh, he goes to write his name on the back and he says, nah, 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 don't put me down as Gamble. Uh, I want you to call me Teddy. Okay. So he writes Teddy on the back of it. Uh, and Teddy says, I know where you can find Jimmy Grant. Saying that this is the John G, and he looks at his Lenny looks at his tattoos, and it says J G. Uh, what is it, John G or James G? Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's this this clue he's got that says, okay, it could be a Jim. I'm gonna get my vengeance, right? Long story short, uh, he takes him out to an abandoned uh, home where he meets Jimmy, murders Jimmy, changes into his clothes, takes a picture of his body to remember the revenge, drags his body into the basement. Teddy comes back after a little bit of time. Lenny can't remember who he is. And he goes, oh, help me. Uh, like, this thing has happened. This guy has died. Uh, Teddy tells him, I know. I sent you here. Uh, Lenny initially doesn't believe him. And he gets into this really, really long argument because he doesn't recognize him at first. At this point, and this happens later on in the movie, Teddy fills us in on the entire twist of the yeah. film, right? Yeah. So it's this idea that when uh, Lenny's wife was injured, she didn't die. Uh, he actually ends up killing her, right? Because she had diabetes and he does multiple injections on her the whole idea is that and this, then she and then she dies that like sammy jankis was a real person yeah but 
uh, Lenny is conflating the story of like what happened in his past right. with his memory yeah. of it with the story of Sammy Jenkins. Right. He's linked them together as some sort of coping mechanism. And you find out that like the way Teddy describes it is that Sammy Jenkins was a con man who was trying to pull this thing as an insurance scheme. And like Lenny actually has this memory problem, yeah. but like he has the wife. His wife survived, and he injected her with the insulin. And, and he's developed a scheme to like help, yeah. help him. That through. explains why he could not learn. The if it was a procedural test, we know he couldn't learn it because he was a con man. Yeah, on a con system. Right, exactly. That so he sense. actually was a con man. Yeah, because right. his whole situation, other than that, didn't exist. Right. right. Yeah. So, so that's basically, and this again, this happens at the end of the movie, but it's the we find out about it. Probably, you find yeah. out about the end of the movie. But yeah. so Teddy essentially says to Lenny, like, you know, this isn't the guy that killed your wife. Yeah. Like, you already murdered him five years ago. Or the guy that attacked your wife. You already killed him five years yeah. ago. You but killed you your forgot wife. about it. But the guy who you who attacked her. Yeah. We often him a long time ago because I was a cop that heard about your case. Yeah, he was on the case. Were, mm-hmm. And I felt bad for you. And it's basically implied that, like, Lenny and Teddy have been traveling the country offing assholes who happened to be happened to be named John G or James G? Right, right, exactly. And t- Teddy basically just says like, "You killed the first guy." And that's the that's the picture of him pointing to his chest covered in blood. Yeah, that's the picture of Lenny. That Teddy mm-hmm. took it five years ago when he killed the actual assailant of his wife. But he said he didn't remember it, so he just kept going with Lenny to chase down like other criminals. Yeah, named John G, just to sort of be like, hey, like. You you are gonna keep searching for someone named John G, and I'm gonna guide you down the path of like attacking. Yeah, and, and the thing where he's pointing to his chest is important because it's this idea that like he was supposed to tattoo that he got him on his chest over his heart, and he never did. Very, so this is just yeah. persistent. For the it's been like a continual cycle. Right. Yeah, more. I guess I want to save him more or less lying to himself right. about yeah. what has happened. Um, well, also we, forgetting that he lied to himself. Well, yeah. I was going to say, and we get like a snapshot of this because Lenny doesn't want to believe him. Uh, he throws Teddy's keys to his car, like off into the bushes somewhere, yeah. right? And he gets back into his truck that he showed up in, and he goes, "Oh, if this is the lie that I'm going to live, like I'll let you be my John G." Right, right. Teddy, you're going to be the next person, right? And so he writes down on a sheet of paper uh, that the license plate, the next fact. But the license plate number for John G is yeah. Teddy's license plate. And that, we don't learn that until the end of the film. But at this point, like, if we look at it in chronological order, we know, okay, eventually he's going to kill Teddy. Yeah. Right. Right. And we see that happen at the beginning. Which is how the beginning of the movie starts. He actively destroys the photos that show, yeah. you know. Yeah. He burns them. Yeah. He writes down on the back of the photo that he took of Teddy, yeah. don't believe his lies. Writes down this idea of a new tattoo for his license plate number. Right. Mm-hmm. Gets back out of the car and steals Jimmy's car with twenty grand in the back of it. Right, and this is a very so like the pol- so he uses Polaroid pictures of everybody that he meets in order to remember who they are. Yeah. So, so for all of our Gen Z listeners, <laughs> what's a Polaroid picture? <laughs> so it's sort of like if you had a. Those are back in style. I don't feel like anyone's. It's sort it. of like, it's sort of like if you had an iPhone. But it had a piece of, you know, a printer attached it's to like it. It's like an Instagram. Wait, wait, what? It's like an Instagram on paper. No, nuh-uh. It's a paper. You mean you just, like, take the picture and then, like, the printer prints out a picture? Well, no, it's it, it goes to the internet. It's an H. No, 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 no. It comes back no from the internet. internet. There's no internet. Oh, it just comes straight out. It's a, <laughs> it's a camera that prints out pictures instantly and the film develops rapidly. 
So he takes Polaroid pictures of everybody, and then he writes on the back yeah. their name. And then he shakes it. Some fact about it. Yes, he shakes it to de- to help develop the film, which, like which, which is picture. actually not. It doesn't actually do anything, yeah. right? Shake, shake, but. shake, shake it, shake, shake it, shake. It's a good song. Sure. Like a Polaroid picture. Thank you very much. <laughs> and he uses these in order to keep track of like people that he's met, places that he's been. He after he steals Jimmy's car, he takes a picture of the car and says like. This is my car now. He writes my car. Yeah, he just writes it. my car. So he can just fucking remember that that that's apparently his car now. Uh oh. You want to take the next part? Do you remember what happens? Lenny takes Jimmy's car and Jimmy's clothes. Yep. And changes into them, and he goes to get his tattoo. Gets the license plate tattooed onto his body, um, and then Teddy shows up, pops in, and is like, "Hey man, hey you man, gotta leave. you got to leave town. There's drug dealers looking for you. Like they know where you are, where you're staying, and stuff. Like get out of here. Here's some clothes." And Lenny and Lenny doesn't remember. Yeah, anything. Lenny doesn't remember anything that just yeah. happened with Teddy. He doesn't remember that he killed Jimmy. He doesn't remember anything. So he has to like re, but he be go- reintroduced to Teddy at he, this point. Yeah, he goes into the back to like put his shirt on, takes out a picture, and he's like, "Oh, I have a picture of Teddy." And he looks on the back and it says, "Don't believe his lies." And he goes, the "Here's a question: yeah. Why did he have to take another picture of Teddy if he's been bouncing around the country with him?" You think he'd already have a picture of him? I would have, yeah. Just realized that's actually think, a really good question. You think he'd have a? He picture should have of him. a picture of Teddy already. Yeah. Fuck. I wonder why. What, hey, Christopher. Christopher, answer that question, Christopher. Yeah, no one. Yeah, I guess he lost it. <laughs> Maybe he burned it. Wait, hold on. He Maybe he's unsuccessfully ki- tried to kill Teddy in the past. And then why would Teddy keep coming pictures. back? Why would Teddy keep coming back? Maybe Teddy. That's one thing I was Teddy's ask. getting older and he's engaging in riskier behavior. Ooh. Nice. Well, the thing is, once you get older, you, you become you're actually first. less risky. Oh, you become. Um, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Wait, I thought old people got rad. We talked about that at the beginning. No. Well, they get rad. I think they become less. I mean, if you end up with the frontal temporal dementia, Parkinson's disease, or Alzheimer, you might get rad. Oh, you get rad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's the dementia. <laughs> I can't wait to get rad. You might get rad. That's you might be rad. A very yeah. tasteful joke that we just made. If you're a skateboarder, okay. He's in the tattoo parlor. Um, we already did that. He sees the back of the picture. He's like, don't trust his lies. So he just jumps out the back window and is like, fuck this guy. Bye. And, like, and he reaches into the pocket of his suit that he's wearing, which is Jimmy's clothes. Yep. And it says, meet Natalie at Freddy's? Freddy's. Furby's. 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 I love you. Friendies? Friendies. It's like a, it's a bar that looks like Freddy's, but there's an extra letter thrown in there for hey, some bur- reason. Friendies is a burger joint where all the burger patties are triangles. Nice. Oh, you made that up. That's no, good. I've really been there. Do you see, the thing is, you have to. Cannon's a vegetarian. Hi, welcome to Friendly. So he hasn't been to a burger place in like seven years. So he goes to meet Natalie, right? So he pulls up and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just like, oh, I'll go here. And he pulls up and she sees him pull up in Jimmy's car, Jimmy's clothes, yeah. all the stuff. And she just goes, hey, G- oh, you're not Jimmy. And he's like, no, I have a note. Who's so Jimmy? Jimmy What's Who's up? Jimmy? I don't know who anyone is. <laughs> So he basically like, hi, my name is what? He's, he's almost using himself, like he's taking advantage of his own condition to set up he, this whole alliance. Yeah. But he doesn't know that he. But he is. doesn't. Know, well, he only at knows well, it at one Christopher point. Christopher Nolan. He's got to know that he is because we you, you introduced that portion already. Yeah. He actively destroyed the evidence that he's done this before. That so he's he knows, he knows he's taking advantage yeah. of yeah. inevitability. Yeah. 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 So he goes inside that bar. Mm-hmm. And Natalie, he explains his condition to Natalie, as he does to everyone. Uh, she doesn't believe him. So she sits him down at the bar and passes a cup around with a little bit of beer in it and has everyone spit in it, including him. 
Uh, she then waits a short while, and then he goes sits he goes and sits in a booth, and she brings in the beer, plops it down in front of him, and is like, it's on the house. And he takes a big old gulp. Because he does not remember. Which is disgusting. Which is super gross. And <laughs> she's like... Cool she understood how long she should wait. Yeah, it was pretty... Very perceptive of her. Yeah, well, she probably read the script. And then, uh, so, after he takes his big sip, she's like, oh, you definitely don't remember anything. You can stay with me if you need a place to stay for a while. She's like, this guy just showed up in all of Jimmy's clothes with Jimmy's car. Yeah. And Jimmy's gone. And I need to know what happened to him. But yeah. this guy obviously has no memory. So, like, you yeah. can hang with me. And she's hoping to figure out what, what went down. Jimmy right. world. Yes. <laughs> yes that's... It just takes some time. Lenny's in the middle in the middle of his lies. But don't worry. Everything is going to be all right. <laughs> so, long story short. It, uh, it's going to be all right. Long story short. Uh, Lenny ends up at Natalie's place, right? Natalie finds out that Jimmy is gone. Her suspicions are confirmed. She comes back to the house. She says, Dodd, the guy who was Jimmy's partner, is now looking for Jimmy and looking for me and his missing 20 grand. He thinks I'm involved. Lenny, kill him for me. Oh, that's why she's worried about it. Yeah, I just yes. got that part. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's my yeah. sister. Of the whole film. Yeah. Like, sort of, because Jimmy was a drug dealer and she yeah, was yeah. helping him with the whole operation. Exactly. God, it must be difficult to have amnesia. No kidding. Yes, yes. So, so, so <laughs> We she, don't and we can't remember the plot of the film. Yes. <laughs> so she says to, yeah, so she says to Lenny, Lenny, Lenny. kill Dodd and he's like, no, I'm like, it's not my problem. I'm and she, as she's doing this, she's hiding all the pens in the house. Yeah. That happened right before she went outside though. Yes, yes, but yes. this is still before she yeah. went outside. She's like, she's grabbing the pens, yeah, and like slowly antagonizing him, starting to, and like puts them all into her purse, and then she's basically like, "Oh, you're not going to kill Lenny," like, and starts. He had already told her the story about his wife, and she just starts like insulting his insulting wife, his wife, and calling his him. wife a whore, yeah, and insulting him, like, his manhood, yeah, just tr- trying to get nobody him really, likes him in the nineties. Nobody likes him in the nineties. Try, trying to get him really angry, and it works, and he punches her in the face. And, like, she slaps him in the face and stuff. So there's some, like, physical altercation. Altercation, yeah. And she basically just yells at him and says, like, I'm going to use you because you're a little, like, bitch or something. She's like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but she said it, not me. I think this scene is a great example of him trying to engage his working memory. Yep. In order for it to be converted into short and eventually long term. Because as she leaves, he immediately starts looking around the yes, house and he's and trying like, to focus, find pens. And he's like, trying to write this down, yeah, write this yeah, down, write this yeah. down. She sits out in the car, watches him, and then when he kind of like zones out, she walks back in. He goes, what happened? She goes, Dodd beat me up, saved me from Dodd. He goes, okay. Yeah. Because he's forgotten already. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if it's it seems like the thing that brought him out of his state in which he was trying to keep remembering what happened was a distraction. Yeah, because she, what, slams the car door or something like yeah. that? She slams the car door. Yeah. Um, and so, I honestly can't comment on it, but I don't know if you have anything you want, you might be able to comment well, on if, well, if yes. a, an actual distraction would lead to... Dr. Hernandez? Uh, <laughs> Not quite. Would lead to a, a, a loss in that, in, in his train of thought. Yeah. Right. Well, I am... Mr. Dr. Hernandez, as my wife is now PhD. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations, Abby Hernandez. <laughs> so You've married yeah. the strongest man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I can actually comment on... This is a good please, idea. Please. Uh, Pace, you, you bring up because working memory, and, and as we notice, he's trying to engage and stay focused. It happens on the order of seconds. Mm-hmm. And okay, it requires yeah. the prefrontal cortex, which we know or we can survive. I've talked about it before. Yeah, that it's not damaged, right? Right. So he can use it. The thing with working memory is that you have to continuously maintain 
some type of stimuli in mind that isn't present in the environment anymore, right? It's, it's kind of so, like remembering someone's phone number. Yes. You keep repeating it in your head. Right. And so the networks that do that have to continuously excite themselves. This is called recurrent excitation. Mm. However, huh. when to do that, you need other neurons in the brain to sort of inhibit interfering networks. I see. If those don't work properly, then you'll have interference and you'll forget. Hence, which is why I think it was a, is a great example of yeah. this distraction could have uh, created this recurrent loop that he needs to maintain that information could have interfered with that. So basically you're Actually, saying that like, okay, that's pretty, so that, that is a, an accurate representation of like how he's able to focus on something for like a period of time mm-hmm. right? because he's actively trying to make himself focus on something. Yes. And as soon as he does it, he just forgets. The, wor- the working memory in this instance is a conscious effort. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the reason why you, he, he gets distracted and he can't remember is, it's that's the basic function of working memory. You wouldn't want to constantly remember that tune for the rest of your life. That's right, annoying right. or that phone number. Part of working memory is that you need to dump it when you don't need it anymore. And I guess it's this, also like when you have amnesia, it's going to be or what is anterior, whatever type anterior yeah. grade amnesia. Anterior grade amnesia. Very good. Kenan. Are those plantains good? I need to plantain. I got distracted. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, I bet. If you have um, anterior grade amnesia, it's obviously going to be different case by case, like based on the extent of the injury of the area of the brain. <clears throat> so basically, uh, she's convinced Lenny to kill Don. Lenny leaves the house. He goes out to his car. Teddy's just sitting in his car, which Teddy's really like rolling <laughs> the, the dice with Lenny here. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. He knows, Teddy knows that Lenny has just killed a man and stolen his car. Why would you just appear in his car? Yeah. And he a cop. And he's a cop. Or he used to be a cop. He pops in. Hey, Lenny. I'm not a cop. Are you a cop? I shot a kid. I shot a kid. He doesn't say that. But he does say, you can't trust Natalie because he knows that Natalie was involved with Jimmy. He knows that Jimmy was involved with drugs. So he goes, you can't, you can't trust her. She's involved with drugs. You should, you know, get out of this completely. Here, go stay at this place. It's called the Discount Inn. And we later figure out that this is already where, uh, where Lenny is staying, right? He goes, you can stay here. You can rent a room. You can lay low for a little bit, right? Otherwise, you need to get out of town. Honestly, as I we go through this plot, it seems this is more just in regards to the movie, and it, it seems that Teddy is honestly trying to help Lenny. Yeah, yeah, um, he does. He does. Like, seem, yeah, he actually puts himself his his uh, his own kind of like safety on the line a few times. It literally seems like Teddy <laughs> has figured out that he can use Lenny to get rid of bad people, but he's using Lenny to do it. Right, so he has convinced yeah. Lenny to tra- like I said, travel around the country and murder bad people who also happen to be named Fucking John or Batman James and Robin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like Robin and Batman who can't remember anything. Yeah, F- that pilot didn't get like I don't know, didn't get the contract. I'm no, it did. Why. It just became a mento. Well, that that, that was going to be Batman. the Dark Knight. This is the movie adaptation of the graphic novel Robin and Batman with no memory. Right, it was called Batman Forgets. It was called Batman Forgets. Uh, <laughs> let's see. The, who is the villain in that? Where's Rachel? Memory right, Man. Right here. Bruce Where's Rachel? Where's Rachel? Right here. Where's Rachel? Where's Rachel? Bruce, stop it. I'm not wearing hockey pants. Or am I? Or am I? Why I can't remember. <laughs> I'll forget me the car. <laughs> Once Teddy leaves the car, uh, Lenny looks at the back of his note, or the back of the picture, and says... 
and sees the don't believe his lies on there. Disregards what he said about Natalie, but takes into account that he does need a place to stay because he's not going to stay with Natalie. Uh, goes to the discount inn. Uh, our good friend Bert rents him a second room because he's a big asshole. And then Lenny sets in for the night and decides, hey, I'm going to try and remember some shit. So he calls a sex worker up and says, hey, I want you to come here and do the dirty with me. Be like my wife. Be like my wife. My wife. Yeah. My wife. And what's he... Fuck. <laughs> Could have gone a whole episode. Uh, nope. Impossible. Once he, once she gets there, he pulls out a bunch of uh, of his wife's stuff. His wife. Uh, and places on, them... Shut up. Places them everywhere <laughs> and says, just leave these lying around and pretend like, you know, you just left them and left them in these places. Wait till I'm asleep when you do it. Go in the bathroom and slam the door so that it wakes me up. And we kind of understand at this point that Lenny's trying to set up some sort of like context for the night that it happened to try and remember things to like trigger a flashback. Yeah, he's, he's trying to create the same environment of yeah, uh, in, in which his, his tragic event Would this occurred. work? Is this a thing? Like Maybe might lead into a discussion that we should have about context-dependent memory. Sure. Which, sure, sure, sure. Um, like how you can't do a podcast unless you're drinking beer. <laughs> Correct. I've had seven. Right. That's uh, how many beers that he has had. Mm-hmm. However, that actually is a thing. Context-dependent memory. You can think about context in regard to your actual physical environment. You can also... Cues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Which is actually a problem for people with PTSD and and things like that who have have actual memories and flashbacks triggered by a certain external stimulus. Loud noises. Loud noises, like like even like a car backfiring or something like that. Um, You also have chemically-based context-dependent memory. So... The thing that would make you think about this the most would be uh, if you learn something while you're under the effects of alcohol or another uh, mind-altering substance, right? right? Like, for example, if I, you know, if I learn, what's a good example of this? A lot of stuff about memory while doing a podcast. Then you've had a piece of <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're getting a yeah. little a little meta with this, but like, if I, if I <laughs> a little, <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit. I mean, if if I were to learn how to like do a Rubik's cube. Sure. While I was drunk. I, if I were to try to do it again, completely sober, there is some evidence to suggest it would be much more difficult to do than if you sober were than again. drunk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, whereas if I got, if I got drunk again, it might come back to me a little bit quicker. That makes sense. It's sitting in the same seat in the classroom where you learn, but that day you're going to take the test. That too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot of good examples you can give. So I want to just make an effort to, to just say really quick that the context that he's building is he's trying to recall his episodic memory. Yeah. Which is aside from those other generalizable things that are non-associative or associative implicit memories. Yeah. So he's definitely building a scene that sh- that he was I see. In, at one point. Potentially, we don't know why he's doing it, right? It's it's all implicit in the movie. It's not really explicit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, like what I did there with the playwords. I did. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's definitely trying to recreate this episode it's because kind of, that's what he can't do is make these new episodes. It's kind of strange to me in the context of the film, like where his motivations <laughs> right. come from, because his it seems like for the entire movie, his over he has this like overarching motivation of like you know why was yeah. I have to eliminate him, but then he also has these like other sub motivations which some seem contextually dependent like oh I'm at a hotel I must be booking a room or something like things like that where yeah, he's yeah, picking yeah. up context clues and just proceeding with things right but there's other things like trying to jog his memory 
Yeah. Or Does like knowing seem, that he has a memory yeah, problem. Yeah, like knowing his memory problem and then trying to jog his memory with these like the setup is kind of weird because it doesn't play into the part of like trying to find his wife's killer. It's just like I'd like to remember mm. again. Let me do this thing. And that's yeah, a little yeah. weird for me because I don't know where that's come, like how that's possible. So interesting that you brought up this incentive because one of the questions I was writing, or uh, I jotted down as I was writing or watching the movie is that this incentive motivation, where's it coming from? Yeah. And what is it, what is it all about? Um, it, it's clearly intact, but you know, what's driving it? And one of the things that I, I happen to try to study to explain the data that I find are, of the incentives behind the behavior. Right. And it's just extremely complex. And I think on another level for sure. what we right. might want to discuss here. Yeah. Right. There's also, it just from the context of the movie, it's really hard to, you don't have enough information right. to know what his motivations are. Yeah. But it is interesting that like, almost everything he does is one motivating thing, find his wife's killer, except for this is like, I just want to remember mm-hmm. what, it was like so after he goes through all of this uh sex worker slams the door uh Uh, it doesn't work work. (laughs) he doesn't doesn't remember anything at this time right he gets up and he says okay thank you for thank you for your time but while he he then does go and he takes all of her stuff and he goes i'm just gonna burn this and try and forget and as he's burning it he does have a couple of flashbacks right and so we get some flashbacks to like the night and that's when the movie shows us exactly what happened yeah. and we're able to see it in that context, right? Mm-hmm. So he's driven out to the middle of nowhere in order to trigger these memories, okay? And then at this point, Dodd finds him. So Dodd sees his car. He sees Lenny driving around in his car. Uh, Lenny pulls over. And he's, he doesn't remember who Dodd is. Has no idea who this guy is. And he's like, hey, what's up? And he's like, oh, yeah? And then it triggers a chase scene. Yeah. So he runs after him. He's firing after him. And then about halfway through that chase scene, for whatever reason, Lenny forgets what's happening. And so we get this really funny scene where Lenny's like running and he's like, oh, I must be chasing this guy. And he runs towards him and the guy fires a gun. He's like, no, he's chasing me. And he yeah. turns around. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns around and he runs away from him. Yeah. He manages to get back to his car without Dodd being there. And he finds the note that he got from Natalie about where Dodd lives, right? So he goes to Dodd's place and he goes, oh, this motherfucker wants to you know, come after me. I will wait for him. He goes to his place. He posts up in like probably the worst stakeout I've ever seen in my life. Where he just goes and sits in the bathroom and like holding a Jack Daniels bottle, and I guess he's just ready to. Beat no, no, no. Him no. It was it was um it was not Jack Daniels. Ninety nine bananas. No. Oh my god, no. Uh, uh, it was like a a J and G blended Scotch whiskey, uh, green and yellow labeled bottle. Not. No, my god, no. It wasn't bourbon. Is this wait? You, is this what you remember from the movie? Pace? Yes. Yeah, that's a weird. Because I like when it's it's Scotch. I don't know what to tell you. So you look directly at preference. This is the thing I'm going to remember. Well, I I worked at a liquor store for like three years, so I I shelved. Really? Moved liquor bottles on shelves to make sure they were like, you know, flesh at the front of the shelf for three years of my life. So, yes, I do remember what they look like, and I recognize that bottle. He posts up for a stakeout <laughs> to. <laughs> he posts up to, to hit Dodd over the head with he's a gonna bottle of liquor. Yeah. He's trying to bean Dodd. But of course, obviously, while he's sitting here waiting for Dodd to come back, he forgets what's happening. And, and actually, uh, it seems like it's implied that he falls asleep. Yeah, which it's is pretty weird. slack. Yeah, because yeah. it's not like he forgot. He just like passed out, which is a little weird. Because you'd think his like adrenaline would be pumping and stuff. Like he's in a situation where he's about to hit someone over the head. He's got to bean Dodd. I made a note. Is it? distractions is it sleep what resets his memory and he didn't really fall asleep in that moment he just 
It just, just forgot. There's, there's no there's no distraction. There was no sleep. He just forgot. He let his mind wander. Yeah. So it was J well, and it was, B. Yeah, it was J. It was a picture. It, it was, was J and B, not J and G. I'm sorry, you J said and B. J and G yeah. I'm sorry. I can't believe you forgot we, that. We forgive you. And you said the movie was in 2006. Crazy. Jeez. Oh, that was Kevin. No, that was Casey. Oh, definitely whoops. said that. Yeah. Wow. So he comes to holding this bottle of alcohol, and there's this whole part. He's like, "What am I doing?" And he's like, I'm "I don't not, feel drunk." I'm drunk. Interesting. Yeah. Like, but there's. Like her drank out of it. And I guess he just assumes he's in his apartment. He thinks he's in his own hotel room yeah, or his own apartment. And he just starts showering. And then, yeah, <laughs> and then when Dodd shows up, he's like, what are you doing in my apartment? And then immediately attacks him. Yeah. He beans him over the head like he planned. Right? Mm-hmm. Smacks him real hard with his bottle of, sorry, Pace, what was it? J&B blended scotch whiskey. Yep. He hits him right in the beam with that. And then he goes down. He ties him up and he throws him in the closet and he's like, uh, well. He calls Teddy. He calls Teddy. He's, he's like, like, hey, can you help me, man? Can you help me, dude? There's a body in my closet. And at this point, I have to assume that Teddy is just like, I don't know how many times this has happened, but Teddy has to be completely fed up with what's going on. Yeah. yeah. It's been a bad day for Teddy. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I think the, the whole way that Dodd scene played out, yeah, I'd probably get caught off guard if I went to my room and, you know, someone was, you know, showering and. They attacked me yeah. almost instinctively. I don't know. I don't know why I thought that was that was doable or plausible, right? Yeah, yeah. It seemed weird. You'd yeah. think the dot would be like on alert. Yeah, but right. not at all. Why would why would he be in my room? Yeah, it was very interesting. So then he comes to after, of course, Dot is in his closet. He's like, who's this guy? Yeah. And, and Teddy's like, did you do that? He's like, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> he actually rips the duct tape off of Dot's mouth. It's like, who did this to you? And he's like, you did. Okay. <laughs> all right. Who are you? Dodd. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And he did actually take a picture of him, right? After yeah. he beat him up and yeah. tied him up. After he beat him up and tied him up. When after Teddy... Happen? So Teddy suggests, let's get... Let's take Dodd. We'll drive him out to the edge of town and we'll tell him, like, you know, don't leave town or whatever the fuck. Get the hell out. I don't want to see your face again. And then Lenny finds in his pocket a note that says, take care of Dodd for Natalie, which happened earlier when Natalie gave him the address and all that stuff. So at this point, he goes back and he goes, Natalie... Who the fuck are you and who the fuck is Dodd? Mm-hmm. And then at this point, Natalie basically seduces him and they sleep with each other, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and while they're sleeping together, she sees the tattoos on his body uh, and sees the plate number, which is Teddy's license plate number, and says, I will chase down what this license plate number is because it's clearly important to you. At this point, Natalie has no idea the connections between Teddy or any of that. Nope. And she just knows that Jimmy's still gone. This guy is somehow involved with it, but Dot is not going to come murder. Exactly. Yeah, so she's <laughs> pretty resourceful. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, she figured out how to save her own skin there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Lenny doesn't remember enough to connect any of these dots. So he goes, great. I have this tattoo. It must be important. Help me find this license plate number, right? So the next morning, Natalie writes him a note and says, hey... Come meet me at this time. I'll give you the plate information. Um, and she goes to work. When he leaves the house, he bumps into Teddy again. And then they eat. And he starts talking about, like, his unreliable memory again. We get this reintroduction. This occurs early in the movie, right? But late in the chronological plot. Right. So there's a little bit of explanation that occurs for us here, right? He uh, goes back to the discount inn. He talks to Bert, finds out that Bert has been renting two rooms to him. Uh, and then at, while he's talking to him, he, re- he pulls a note out of his pocket that says, meet with Natalie. At this point, he drives to where Natalie asked to meet him. Uh, she shows her that the owner of the license plate number is someone named John Edward Gamble, who, if you guys will remember, was Officer Gamble or Teddy at the beginning, because, of course, he wrote down Teddy's plate number at the you know yep. end of the movie, beginning chronologically. Uh, and he goes back to his place, puts all the pieces together, calls Teddy... 
because of course he has his phone number, right? Agrees to meet him, meet him at the hotel, drives him to the middle of nowhere, shoots Teddy in the head, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, that's the beginning of the movie. That's the beginning that's of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, so we've, we've covered the plot, yeah. right? Of what happens. Um, what do we normally do around this time after we get to the plot? Rate this bad boy! <laughs> <laughs> Let's rate the science in this film. Thank you, Pace. Yes. We should let let Caesar go first. As our guest, Caesar, first off... Have you ever listened to our podcast? Yeah. Okay, sweet. sweet. So you know what we do this time. What do you think about the quality of the science of this film on a scale of one to five? Right, so it's, it's it's based on this issue where you can't consolidate memory, anterograde amnesia. Right. So the plot is heavily driven by him not being able to remember... But we don't get a lot of like scientific tidbits that we need to fact check a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think that true, the, right? Or or do we in regards to the way he behaves throughout the film? No, we don't. Are those aren't those the scientific <laughs> tidbits? Well, I think so. Good point. Because one of the things that we were that was in contention was that whole procedural memory test that. Jenkins. Sammy Jenkins. Sammy Jenkins. And we agreed that it it must not be procedural because right. he can't do it. And right. we learned that he well he's not doing it because. He's a con man, right? Yeah. So if that was the case, which went over my head initially when I saw the movie, that was pretty accurate. And I think that the way that one would behave with anterograde amnesia, knowing what we know about that yeah. illness, was uh, uh, represented well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? With that in mind, how would you say you would uh, rate the science overall? And uh, it has to be a scale of 1 to 5 or one to five. we'll just explode. I don't know why, but you take fractals. Well, last time Kenan said that it was like a Repeating shark out of a lion or something. So, like, I don't even know. Kenan just says bullshit writing, so you can say anything you want, Caesar. That's not true. Oh, wow. It's one out of five. Yeah. One out of five, but, I mean, I would say 4.5. Yeah, oh, that's not bad. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Use the fraction. No, it's fine when he does it. It's bullshit. <laughs> 4.5 out of 5. Mm-hmm. Yep, so a 9 out of 10. Yeah. Nice. Sorry, that's a scale of 1 out of 10. And um, in regards to the entertainment factor of the film, same rating. What, what do you think? How did you oh enjoy God. it? Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five out of five? Five out of five. 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 Cool. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Watch this movie. It is very good. It's very good. I mean, Nolan. <laughs> yeah, no, like we always say, Nolan. We always That's say that. That's what we always say. Yeah, we always, we always, say, always say that. Say that. See, this isn't my first time. That. Can you guys so say that? So we always say that. Do you say that? Oh, Nolan? Yeah, I mean, I just say it so often, I don't, you know. Uh, I'm also going to give, scientifically, mm-hmm. this film a four out of five. Well, you said 4.5. I'm giving an actual 4. I'll stick to the, the classical rating system. Hey, Pace, thank you very much. Really yeah, you're welcome. Um, with, honestly, my only primary complaint, and I think this was actually comes from a lack of my own understanding of the plot of the film, um, which I honestly had a hard time following at certain points, but I guess that's a comment to the film, or a compliment to the film. But anyway, my point is that uh, during the Sammy Jenkins plot, again, we have a lot of just kind of cloudiness in regards to the design of how they test his memory mm-hmm. um, and how we kind of agreed upon the fact that if they were really testing procedural memory, it wouldn't have been through what they were doing to him right, and right, the right, test right. they had. That's right. just not how that works. Right. Uh, so you would say that the the test for procedural memory was poorly represented in the film? I would say it was inaccurately represented. But the idea of 
testing procedural versus right. that's, the other that's, types that you yeah, That's correct. That's, correct. that's what yeah. you would do for sure. They, okay, just, cool. they just didn't pick the right task to do it with. Yeah, they shouldn't um, have it. But it didn't show us the details. Or, yeah, for sure. There were many details, but yeah. based on what we saw, it wasn't right. Yeah. Um, so they because just wanted of that, this happen. That's what they wanted. I know. They wanted I, well, they, that's like more fear conditioning tasks, mm-hmm. actually. Actually, but um, overall, I'll still give it a four out of five because I really love what they did with the chronological presentation of the timeline of the film and how that made you feel, uh, just get in the mind a little bit of Lenny and someone with anterograde amnesia and yeah. kind of just losing track of things as you're going through life. You know, I think there were, it's hard to do in film and they did a decent job. Uh, in regards to entertainment rating, I will give it a five out of five because, uh, what I usually say, I was enthralled the entire time. It pulled me in and I, and it didn't let go. And I'd really highly recommend anybody to watch this film because because it's it's just so unique uh, in the way that it uh, presents the plot and kind of makes you consol it makes you consolidate things that have happened oh. as you go through the film. Wow, that's a word we said earlier. Yeah, it's like easier to recall the plot that happened. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> uh, Ken. What about you? Oh, me? Yeah, you. Uh, so as far as the science uh, science goes, um, uh, I don't understand anything about memory at all. Uh, so I'm going to give it a one out of five. Uh, oh, okay. Because... I think that's more your failing than the <laughs> I think it was poorly represented in the film. There's a lot of magic going on, something about like tattoos and something, and I, I don't know. Um, one, out, one out of five for the science. But as far as the, uh, the entertainment value was concerned, uh, I would definitely give it a five out of five. Well, um, because I don't know anything about memory, mm-hmm. and Caesar is a guest on the show, I'm going to go with a four and a half out of five. All right. I respect his opinion. All right. <laughs> show him your sheep. I'm just saying. Your sheep. Listen, you give it a one out of five, and no one will ever listen to your credit. Your credibility is ruined for the rest of the Fair. Time That's not true. Fair. That's not true. That's I'm going to edit this to so it sounds like I'm the smartest. You're just going to say, yeah, I'll give it a four out of five. <laughs> I'll just put a disclaimer at the beginning and it's like, oh, well, you know how we introduced Caesar? That's just Kinnan doing a different voice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Is yeah. that why you could prefer yourself as the world's strongest man? As the world's strongest man. <laughs> world's strongest man and resident neurologist. All right. So anyways, oh I'm giving the science evil. four and a half out of five for all the reasons that Caesar and Pace really highlighted. I mean, honestly, I don't work in the neuroscience field whatsoever. I don't know anything about the memory stuff. Um, but I really like the movie. So as far as like the movie rating... I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. And I think really the reason this movie gets a 5 out of 5 is because the way they decided to tell the story in reverse chronological order. Yeah. Which is why I'm emphasizing to the listener that, like, seriously watch the movie because it's there's so much more that you get out of watching it in reverse chronological order. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely an active engagement entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the best type, at least in my opinion, my Mm. favorite movies are when I have to actively engage with what's going on, pay attention to the background. It's definitely a thinking man's movie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Don't give me none of that passive reality. I think we're introduced to the idea in this film to question your own memory. Yes. Right? I do that constantly. And so we, yes, Lenny in the film has interrogate amnesia, so he has a reason to question his own memory. Right. However, there's a lot of evidence from, from neuroscience research. Your own memories actually aren't as reliable as you might think they are. Right. Um, and that these can be modified by emotions you were experiencing at the time, and they can become either exaggerated or made seem less intense or more intense uh, based on other factors. So you might remember something not exactly 
as it occurred. Um, it's and it's just kind of like the little. I just kind of wanted to end the episode with like a little brain fuck, which is that you can't. <laughs> sorry, really, sorry. What is sorry. Like, do you want is to this fuck a, our brain? Is this no. a new segment we're doing? Because I don't like it. Pace is brain fuck. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> sorry. Hold on. It just. I just wanted to make the point that. Uh, it's worth questioning your own memories, and nothing is ever certain. So just take that home. So you just wanted to, like, plant some nihilistic dent just at the end of it? Right. Yeah. Yep. You just wanted our listeners to be paranoid about yep. their own memories. Yep. So you heard it from Pace, nothing matters, and we're all going to die. Yes. Oh, absolutely that. Did well, you want to talk about okay. his system? Oh, his system of, uh, of actually remembering? Oh, yeah, yeah so, like, Caesar brought up this idea that... You can plug this in somewhere. The very The very concept of him knowing that he has to use a system to remember and knowing that he has amnesia is faulty at best because he can't form memories yeah. after the incident. I just thought it was paradoxical. I thought it was extremely interesting that he's, he's willed himself... For this, and he keeps saying Sammy Jenkins didn't have the will. He to couldn't do the system. Right? Right. He, he wasn't organized enough. He wasn't, um, you know, willful enough. But how would that work if he's got this anterograde amnesia? Can't remember making memories afterward. I don't know. You're the he's, psychiatrist. He's realized. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta own it, Pace. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> and now we'll never troll Caesar again. <laughs> <laughs> he's beat us. <laughs> You know, how, how, how do you think? So, what do you think? How, how would he, he's self aware of the situation. Yeah. And he's created, you know, notes for himself, tattoos for himself. And yet he was also aware enough to take advantage of himself. Yeah. yeah. To continue this, this end game with no end. Yeah. It's, it seems paradoxical to it me. It does. It's, and so, something that you said, well, you know, maybe it's not the entire hippocampus. Right. And that, that, could, that portions, could, yes, yeah. it could explain that. Yeah. Maybe he, like, retains some right. minimal function that is enough to give him this sort of, like, understanding of his own situation, but then that's it. You could also make the argument that the injury triggered degradation and that the, that the movie implies that. The injury occurs, and then from that point, he cannot make new memories. Right. But you could also, I guess, make the argument that yeah. like he had an injury, and then there's a slow progression sure. of that absolutely memory disease or memory injury yeah. that he's caused, where he's enough for him to understand that he has a problem or will have a problem, but and was able to like form behaviors in that time period. Absolutely, you, you I, could. Let's go into some user questions. Hell yeah, dude! Do we have? Do we have any? We I do. Not, we I do. haven't checked our. Uh, I only assume bulging mailbox. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty bulging. Our throbbing mailbox since the last time we've actually taken a look at it. So yeah. the reason I didn't check it is because I think there's there's just so many questions. We just have to do a whole episode of listener questions. I actually, whenever I open our mailbox, the the first couple times that it happened, I was buried in mail. Uh, and almost suffocated to death and had to be rescued by my neighbor. So I, I didn't my want mailbox, to... you mean Gmail? Yeah, you guys are so mailbox. fucking good at sarcasm. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, it's, it's half the show, it's dude. It's so fucking yeah. well done. Yeah. That's, no, that's no, no, because no, no. Caesar earlier I was like, really? Wow. <laughs> some shit. And I was like, yeah, all right. We, no. we, we drill bits. Into the ground, yeah. Until they're no longer funny, mm-hmm. um, and that's the essence of comedy: is you make the joke over and over again oh, yeah. until no one thinks it's funny. Kenan is a meme. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. He's a meme. He's a troll meme. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. One question that we do have is from a lovely human being. 
I'm telling your wife. Name Lauren Pace. Oh, wow. Well, she has the same name as your wife. She knows. She has the same name as my wife somehow. I'm good I have not figured that out yet. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm trying to avoid her on the off chance I'll fall in love with her and then just be in a real predicament. Yeah, that would be a pretty nice. Well, now your wife knows because she definitely listens to all of our podcasts. She does. Um, her question from Lauren Pace is: In the film, Lenny loses his wife. Right, his right. wife gets murdered because he only effectively has memory for like five minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Would the pain? The emotional pain of losing his wife be fresh to him every time that he kind of comes to, so to speak, because he has very, very construed concept of time throughout his life now. Because essentially the last memory that he has is the assault of his wife. Right, Right, because they happened essentially simultaneously. Hmm. I mean, it would seem that way based on like his over arching motivation to just like hunt down his wife's assailant closure he needs. yeah like he closure just needs. it must <laughs> it's obviously like pretty present in his mind he also even though it's so present in his mind felt the need to tattoo uh john g or even murdered your wife on his chest even though he kind of knows that like that seems to be like one of the main things that he that's a good point remembers. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah i mean it does seem that like he is constantly reminded of it in the sense that it's like, seems like it was recent then. Like he doesn't really feel the passage of time. I think that one of the good exemplifying moments of that is that, uh, what we might call like a fresh take for him where he's just kind of like, he starts over every five minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And in one of his fresh takes, he attempts to set up his own, like the, the environment in which his wife was murdered again. Right. Yeah. So I think that it's one of the first things that he thinks of yeah. every time that he kind of comes to. And it's like it like it is his kind of an internal compass to a certain extent that leads him to his next course of action uh, every yeah. time that he kind of resets. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have no scientific basis to back that up, but I mean, I, well, um, HM looked in the mirror in his 70s and couldn't recognize himself. He expected a young man every time. Right. And And was shocked each time. Yeah. And was shocked. Yeah, I mean, that that kind of makes sense. I mean, as, I mean, as a human without memory problems, like, we already have, like, warped perceptions of time to some extent. Like, you know how every day doesn't necessarily feel exactly the same. It depends on what you did during it. It depends on, like, if you're sitting in a room taking an exam or something or just waiting for something feels like time is moving more slowly. And like when you look at yourself in the mirror, I think people have, as they're aging, have time points where they realize like, wow, I look older. And they like, that memory gets enforced because every time they look in the mirror, they keep seeing an older version of themselves. But if you aren't remembering that, yeah, if if you don't make those new memories, you're going to have that initial like, wow, that's, who is that? You know, you get to a certain point where you look so different than you used to that you're not going to even be able to make the association anymore. True. So, I mean, that does make sense. So, thank you for the question, Lauren. Yes, thank you, Lauren. Yeah, thank you very much. Sweet. So, thanks again, Lauren. Uh, we're going to wrap up because it's very late. We're all very tired. But, uh, Caesar. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Yes, Where thank you we, so uh, much. It was an honor to have thank you on the show. Thank you for having me. Hail Caesar! Caesar! I, I, I just put my right hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody chest. thumped their chest. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, Caesar, where can we find you on social media? 
on Facebook under Caesar Hernandez. Okay. I don't like that. I don't like that. That's a very Sean answer. Let's see. Do you have a Twitter? At Caesium117. That was at what? Caesium? At Caesium117. At Caesium CAE. Uh, what, if, what if people want to play Nintendo Switch with you and like sort of look at how many Nintendo coins you have? I don't or... think you can find me in that. Well, I really don't think you can find me on on the Switches. The Switch doesn't work that way. Don't you need like some friend code or yeah, something? Yeah, you like should that? have you should have a Nintendo account, but it makes sense yeah. that you wouldn't have set one up. No, um, I I definitely <laughs> have one. Okay, yeah, you still remember what it is? Smarticus. But I don't think that's linked to my my Nintendo <laughs> that's online. A good name. I'm gonna I'm gonna find you on Nintendo <laughs> yeah. tonight and then and show you the light. <laughs> and we'll just uh, we'll be Nintendo friends. Uh, Pace, no where friendos. Fuck, Nintendo's <laughs> <laughs> fucking there. Holy crap! I just stepped over. Wow. It. Yeah, wow. wow. Shit. It's cool, man. You can edit that in post. Well, you're in charge of the podcast now, so you go ahead. Yeah. Oh, well, like, where am I on social media? No, well, I mean, you just command the rest of it because you beat me at jokes. Okay, well, I'll just tell you real quick where I am on social media. Um, my name's Sean Crossan, and you can find me on Facebook Sorry, under Sean Crossan and. That is it. Kenan, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on every form of social media at LOL Kenan. Uh, that includes Twitter, Facebook. My name is LOL Kenan on Facebook. Uh, on, no. Yes, it is. Battle.net uh, and all sorts of other shit. What about you, Pace? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's at Michael C. Pace. Uh, I also write science communication articles on LinkedIn. The next one I'm going to be writing, I've decided finally, is going to be about... Uh-huh. Uh, the significance of evolution today and what we can learn from Charles Darwin. Uh, so that's nice. gonna, that's gonna be good. Uh, and Excellent. also, Topical. um, Topical. I play WoW with Kenan. Yep. Um, wow. and we play oh, on wow. the, oh, on the lane oh, server. We do. So, yeah, on the alliance um, side. So. Lane alliance. So come play with us. We need raiders for, uh, Battle for Azeroth and Sean has refused to play. <laughs> what is happening? And right Sean, <laughs> and Sean has refused to play and Caesar probably doesn't know what we're talking about. So. PC. Wow. I got it. Yep, those oh, are all words that we use. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Wait, no. No, you're discrediting me. I'm a huge gamer. <laughs> Pace is a fake nerd girl. A fake nerd girl? Okay, okay, guys. guys. Doesn't matter. As much as I love all of your social media presence, you can find the show at Real Science Cast on Twitter, on Instagram, and at Real Science Cast at gmail.com. Or it's realsciencecast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, yeah. just tweet at us, or you can look at our Facebook page, which is Real Science Cast. Yeah, we are very responsive on all of our social media presences and would love to hear not just science questions about the film, the films that we watch, but also just general science questions about things you might be curious about. Also, any suggestions for new movies, we would love to hear them, and we will try and thank you on the show if we remember to write it down. But we will. We're totally making right an effort. Down. Yep, and then the next movie that we're going to watch is Contact, starring uh, Jodie Foster. Yep. Jodie Foster. Jody F- Bananas Foster. Starring Banana Foster. Matthew McConaughey. Foster. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey is also in it. Uh, all right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne is in it. Lawrence Fishburne? <laughs> uh, so if you have any questions on the science of Contact and why they should have sent a poet, uh, hit us up on all the places that John mentioned. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll cover it next time. Uh, the other two things you can do to help us is if you hop on iTunes and you leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you like the podcast, let us know. And if you didn't like it, send us an email and tell us what we can do to make it better. Uh, we also have started a Patreon. So if you look up Real Science Cast on uh, patreon.com, you can leave us some money so we can afford to do this on top of all the other crap we do. 
Uh, and we'll scream your name out on the podcast. For those of you that have already submitted to the Patreon, um, or thank you, Patreon, thank you so much. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. it. Yeah. Right now, you're paying for our movies, and it helps a lot. Uh, yes, it does. We really appreciate it. Otherwise, thank you very much, Caesar, for uh, joining us. Thank you for having me. My name's Ken Smith. My name's Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. And I'm Caesar Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do it? I'll do it. Okay, I'll still do it, Caesar. I have a hate Caesar. You take it away. Just say. Yeah, Caesar. You say. No, don't tell him. He knows. He listens to the podcast. No. What's I the ending? It. Say the ending thing. Wow, you're really putting him on blast right All now. All right, we'll go ahead and come up with an ending thing real quick. Um, give us a sign off, Caesar. Sign off, Caesar. better than episode one. That is true. It's also better than episode three. No, no, no. Three is better than one and two easily. Three is like better, but it has the worst scenes. Acting and like writing. Terrible, terrible, terrible writing. No! He does say, I have the high ground. This is a pretty good line, you know. It's very good. It's the, I have the high ground. It's the thrill of the fight. Rising up to defeat the Jedi Master. Bow, bow, bow. I've lost my legs and all my arms. It's all right. And my skin is still burning. What, buddy? Padme died. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs>